0: Welcome to the Smart Industry Podcast, Remaking Industry, where we dive deep into the tools, techniques, and technologies that are accelerating digital transformation. Okay. Thank you for joining us for the podcast today. My name is Chris McNamara, Editor-in-Chief with Smart Industry. We're thrilled to have you join us today. We're talking with Tom Burke. Tom is Global Strand, Strategic Advisor for CC Link Partner Association. Uh, Tom, uh, thanks for joining us here today. Uh, Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do.
1: Thank you, Chris. It's a pleasure doing this. I'm I'm really very excited about all the things going on in the smart manufacturing, and I speak a lot about the digital transformation and the importance of connectivity. So my name's Tom Burke and I've got a a long past. I currently work for Mitsubishi Electric as well as working for the CC-Link Partner Association and also working for a software company known as Iconics that Mitsubishi wholly owns. So, uh, I, Previously was the past president, executive director of the OPC Foundation. So a lot of people still say, "Oh, you're still OPC." No, I moved on to Mitsubishi about three years ago. But and yeah. I'm gonna tell you a little bit why I did that. But uh, you know, I spent about 20 plus years in the OPC Foundation, driving interoperability and looking at technology and doing a lot of things with partnerships and alliances.
0: Okay. Yeah, and and uh, we in the smart industry uh, universe are familiar with Tom. We've done a handful of features and webinars and, and all good stuff um, in his various roles uh, through the years. We always appreciate Tom's perspective. And uh, as you all know, this is a rapidly changing field. So it's always good to touch base with somebody who's on top of things to see what's going on here. Tom, at the start of the conversation, real quick, um, define for us a CC link.
1: Yeah, so... uh, I'm involved in the CC-Link Partner Association known as CLPA, and one of the reasons I joined Mitsubishi and CLPA is because their promotion and adoption of the TSN technology, which is known as the time-sensitive networking, And a while back, I first took a look at the TSN technology when I was still working for the OPC Foundation. And I recognized that what it was doing for the audiovisual industry and then looking at adoption inside of the automobiles, that it was a really cool technology that provided the level of determinism and convergence that would be beneficial to factory automation, So I started taking a look at that and we brought that forward into OPC and OPC UA over TSN, which is now known as the field level communication, you know, really started looking at how do we adopt the TSN technology so CLPA. Uh, first released the TSN technology with CC-Link, known as CC-Link IETSN, in November of 2018. So it's almost like five years ago that they did this. And basically, it's a technology that really provides the ability for running multiple protocols on the same physical wire. And that's the beauty of what You know the tsn technology does the mission of clpa and particularly my role as the global strategic advisor is to make sure that success is measured by the level of adoption and really get the suppliers really adopting the technology because it's very beneficial to the end user community both from the legacy as well as the future opportunities in smart manufacturing. So, CLPA manages the specifications. Um, there's a about 900 companies that are involved in the CLPA organization, and essentially we're driving forward to help our suppliers adopt the CC-Link technology and specifically CC-Link IETSN. We do a lot of things with certification and, you know, I'm a big fan of making sure that everything is plug and play, not plug and pray. So I really push that as far as my role inside of CLPA.
0: Okay, excellent. Um, you know, as as uh, our digital transformations mature um, across manufacturing and in many enterprises, um, How is that changing um, the role of time-sensitive networking? Um, Is it becoming increasingly important? Is it becoming increasingly more mainstreamed and better understood? Is it enabling some of the loftier concepts of digital transformation?
1: Um, it it really is the time sensitive networking and what it does for the industry is fairly radical you know i really preach evolutionary versus revolutionary but it really provides a really strong base that's going to allow you know profinet and ethernet ip and clpa and you know other technologies to run on the same physical wire and that's a very important part of the thing when the end users, you know, they have a lot of different disparate devices and a lot of different disparate networks out there, and they want to make sure these things work in a seamless fashion. So TSN with its, you know, high speed performance and, you know, its determinism is very important, but The main reason it's so important and why it's being driven into manufacturing is the ability for all these things to run on the same physical wire. In addition to, you know, running control on the wire, I can do things like, you know, basically hot swap, add new devices without shutting the network down. And that's a big advantage from an end user perspective, because as you know, you know, there's constantly changing, right? I've got new devices I want to add and you know what Chris? They can't afford to shut down the network to add a new device. In addition to that, I can do video streaming. I can, you know, do things with, you know, hook up my vision camera, or I can do things like, you know, hook up these high-speed three-dimensional printers, right? And they can run on the network at the same time I'm doing control. I can configure, you know, basically devices and applications. So the whole world is, you know – really wanting to you know take a look at a lot of the benefits that the tsn provides because you know chris everybody's thinking about also you know how do i continue to run and you know reliability is a very big important thing and then in addition i want to get my data and information into the it world And, you know, imagine if I can do this without having, you know, multiple networks and, you know, having these things all separated. And that's really the advantage that the customers are looking for and realize is the value of the TSN technology.
0: Excellent. Let's talk real world. I know that um, we chatted briefly earlier about um, a case study highlighting some of these concepts. A Toyota facility in Poland, is that correct?
1: That's correct. The Toyota facility, basically, it's a Toyota Automotive, and uh, it's the Toyota man. It's actually the Toyota Motor Manufacturing in Poland, and it's Walsbright plant, which is one of the the biggest engine and transmission facility operations in Europe. And they started taking a look at, you know, what they needed to do from a networking perspective and, you know, how they could reap the benefits of, you know, installation in both their plant and what's known as their forging line. And the biggest thing they were looking for was the ability to have, you know, Robust reliability, and the ability to do you know high speed diagnostics, right? that could be fixed quickly to keep this line up and running. So kind of it was a pilot project that the guys did using the CC-Link, i.e. industrial Ethernet technology. And they did this on one project and they said, well, Tom, we're going to do this on one project. And if this really works and we can do a lot of things with, you know, connectivity to a lot of different field devices and keep it reliable, then we'll start, you know, really forging this across, using the word forging across their forging line, no pun intended. But, you know, it was the ability to take the pilot and then upgrade You know, a lot of the other products and the a lot of the other lines accessing the benefit so you know Chris what it did from what the end user perspective was it really provided a lot of availability and increased data transparency and that allowed them to improve their production quality across the production line. You know, and essentially they had a goal of, they wanted to make initially a new engine and they wanted to do it every like two minutes was their goal. Well, -hmm. the, the reality was because of what happened with the line and everything else, they actually can produce a new engine every 50 seconds and yeah. the big thing was they used a lot of different suppliers in this and that was key for toyota so for example you know everybody said well they use mitsubishi and yeah it all works with mitsubishi but the reality was they had a lot of other suppliers including balaf including moxa including Hilshire, and they sure. all wanted to take advantage of this right and that provided you know The ability with the high speed communication, the ability to really be able to produce an engine every 50 seconds. You think about that. I mean, an engine every 50 seconds. Think about the production they were able to do, you know, basically. And it was a highly flexible and modular architecture that they took advantage of. So, uh, you know. The, the CC-Link technology, there's like, you know, about 1700 vendors basically that are out there, right, providing CC-Link enabled devices. So Toyota took a look at that and said, this is perfect. This provided me the opportunity to, you know, have a lot of different Connectivity and they leveraged you know the hmis you know to ensure data exchange so you know they didn't have to buy and and they they fit into my mold of they didn't have to buy from a single vendor they were able to not be tied into a single brand and that was one of the things that you know the guys there told me on a regular basis that was so important to their pilot project they were doing
0: okay yeah, that leads to another question I have for you here, and you just kind of addressed it there. Um, lessons learned from this case, straight you know, extrapolating those to a wider pool of manufacturers. Maybe somebody's not a um, engine manufacturer in Poland. Maybe they're in a completely different vertical in a different spot. But the the value there is enhanced data transparency, particularly as we rely more on data and the insights that provides to guide our efforts there. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Um, you know, complicated. Um, vendor networks and supply chains and the ability to communicate across those um, ponds, correct?
1: Correct, correct. And, and, you know, one of the things they did and their early investigation of the technology for the, you know, the Toyota plan and what they were trying to do was they had four different lines that basically for the engine assembly that needed to be carried out. And there was a lot of, you know, essentially cross communication that had to go across all those four different lines so they had what was known as an inner assembly line they had the head assembly line right they had a middle assembly and then they had the finish assembly but there was a lot of tight coordination that had to be handled between those different lines and right. the ability to integrate you know a range of different products because each one of those lines had a lot of different you know requirements and different devices that had to be you know, added into this, and they were using what's known as IP67, the I.O. blocks, basically, uh, you know, trying to improve the quality of the assembly, right? And part of that whole thing was, you know, although it was highly automated, there was also a lot of manual component picking that had to be done, and they leveraged basically this kind of concept called Poka Yoka. And that was the picking assembly part. So this thing had to be tightly coordinated. And with the ability to communicate between these four different lines using the CC-Link IET- IE technology, it provided them, you know, better speed than they could than they could have dreamed of because they were worried that they were still gonna have to do a lot of things manually across the lines. And they were quite surprised because they had to integrate a little over 2000 IO points, right? Mm -hmm. And connecting just a multitude of devices from different vendors, right? And they use the CC link technology and it worked. And so that was the lesson learned. They got surprised. They didn't anticipate that it would work as easy as it did. And, you know, I came in on it and I was surprised as well, but I was happy. I was ecstatic, right? And the maintenance engineers realized the, you know, the volume of IO that they were trying to hook up across these four different lines, Chris was huge. I mean, you know, it was, you know, more than they initially intended. When they first scoped out the project, they thought it was going to be somewhere around 600 IO points and it more than tripled. And so, you know, What they learned from that, though, was is the importance of, you know, the flexibility and adaptability and the ability to recognize, well, you know, imagine if they would have picked a network that they couldn't support that kind of volume of I.O., right? Right. Then it would have been a disaster. So they were very careful with what they did. But again, they didn't realize that they were going to literally have, you know, triple the amount of I.O., you know yeah. when they first scoped out the project so yeah. it was a good lesson they learned you know they learned that you know we got to start you know really anticipating you know the volume of devices that are required for this and there there was a lot of coordination that had to occur across the four different lines and each one of these lines was managed by a different set of people right, right. which you know furthered the you know the a little bit of the difficulty of trying to integrate all this stuff together
0: yeah more parties always means complicated communications and and lapses and in uh networking and all that um last question for you here big picture tom um let's look to the future a little bit um you know we could focus on the near future of uh time sensitive networking or kind of in a broader sense um, you're steeped in this space. Where do we? What does manufacturing look like in in five years or in ten years? How, how is it going to change?
1: You know, the digital transformation and Industry 4.0 and Industry 5.0 and Made in China 2025, all these things have really opened the doors for people taking a look at. What are the technology and what are the things we can use to really improve our connectivity? And more importantly, how do we get this data and make it useful information, right? And, you know, necessary for the IT space. So, you know, there's a everybody's thinking about, well, how do we connect up to IT? What does it mean to have IT to OT convergence? And, you know, I don't push this model of go push 20,000 I.O. points into an IT world. You want to push information about all that data, right? And so that's the whole thing in this. And, you know, what's happening is there's a lot of, you know, cooperation between all the different organizations, um, you know, as as you know, Chris, I'm a big fan of this whole concept of information modeling. You know, I'm still working tightly with you know OPC UA and the the multitude of you know companion specifications that are rolling out. I'm looking at the you know the Sesame organization, right, and what they're yeah. doing with their data modeling. So the reality is that you know the importance of you know, all the organizations working together and the vendors working together. And, you know, there's plenty of opportunities for the vendors. So, you know, in the old days, the vendors were worried about, you know, we wanted to lock them into, you know, buying everything of us from one single vendor. You know, the end users didn't want that. The system integrators didn't want that. They wanted to have choices. So the future of manufacturing really depends on, you know, a tight collaboration and cooperation between the organizations, right, you know, and between the vendors to produce quality products. We're working with an organization called that, you know, Profinet and ODBA and Avenue and OPC and CLPA formed called Mm -hmm. the TIACC. And this is a very important organization because we all recognize we got to make this stuff work together. We've got to have a harmonious strategy to allow all the different networks to coexist on the same wire. You know, people are starting to think, you know, heavily about, you know, wireless as well. How do we adopt 5G and 6G, right? You know, Wi-Fi is very important in manufacturing. Five years ago, no one would even think about putting Wi-Fi in a manufacturing facility, but you know, all this comes together and TSN over 5G is one of the things that's coming close to being, you know, totally completed. And Chris, you know, I also talk about, people also say, well, this technology and the standards still being under development. Well, if a standard is done, and they're not being you know updated anymore That's a bad standard because it has to continue evolve to meet the needs and you know we're looking a lot at at safety we're looking at security uh mitsubishi's currently working with you know odva sip safety and we're adding sip safety to all of our mitsubishi products and that's going to be announced here you know towards the end of June, but, you know, the importance of having the safety standards being part of our products, you know, has to be there, you know, and so the future of manufacturing really depends on, you know, seamless connectivity, you know, allowing multiple things to run on a network, not requiring, you know, shutting down a network when you add a new device. I mean, right. that's the future of manufacturing, you know, and the ability to do diagnostics and configuration. And there's, you know, a lot of vendors out there that are producing, you know, high quality tools to essentially make their job a lot easier. So, you know, we got to bridge forward. There's a lot of legacy systems out there. And they use the term legacy versus, you know, some of my colleagues say, well, it's obsolete. No, it's just legacy. We've got to right. bridge it forward because, you know, the other thing, if you go into a pharmaceutical plant, Chris, they're not going to swap everything out. They're, they're you know, once they've passed oh, regulatory, yeah, right, they can't swap everything out. But yeah. they want to take advantage of things, so there's technology underway that's going to allow to bridge those systems into the new systems and allow everything to work really in a seamless fashion. And that's the future of manufacturing, right? The future of manufacturing is about you know a lot of new devices and the ability to connect the old with the new. And that's the direction we're going in. And us as the vendors and the you know organizations got to work hard at that to make that a reality.
0: I love it. Good stuff. Lots of uh, lots of moving parts, um, but lots of smart solutions to the problems that emerge. Tom Burke um, with the CC Link Partner Association and with Mitsubishi. Thank you for joining us on the Remaking Industry Podcast today.
1: Thank you very much, Chris. It's a pleasure being with you.
0: Yeah, we always love. uh, getting your thought leadership. So, so thanks for sharing your expertise here. We want to thank our listeners for joining us here today. As always, we encourage you to go out and make it a smart day.